0: you're listening to a sermon from Tyler Christian Fellowship in Tyler, Texas, find us on the web at tcftyler.com or send us an email, tcftyler at gmail.com. We're continuing our um, sort of uh, emphasis that the Lord has us on about being the lighters of the world. Uh, that's uh, scripture from Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, where Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Um, and, uh, and he also tells us a little bit about what that means, um, uh, what, he, what he wants us to do. Um, he says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's what it's all about. Some people say, I don't even know why I'm on this earth. That's why we're on the earth. Right there, that's, the, uh, that's God's purpose for you, without Him having to speak something audibly to you. Um, he's made this clear to us that this is what, um, what we are and what He wants us to do. And so we're continuing that uh, today, and we're going to be talking about um, the theology of exile. Um, and uh, this week, uh, we're talking about being in the world uh, and not of the world. Um, so I'm just going to pause and pray uh, before we get into this. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we know what you've called us and you, what you've said that we are, Lord. Not what you've told us to do, but what you've said that this is what we are, Lord. And we are the light of the world because you light us up. And I, God, I just pray that in this season for each one of us, Lord, we all be finding our place in your purposes, Lord, in this city. Uh, in the places that we go and the things that we do, Lord, and the people that we come in contact with. And I also pray, Lord Jesus, in the weeks and the months to come that you would expand our circle of influence, that we would meet more people, that we would serve more people, that we would find meaningful work um, to do to advance the kingdom of God and to serve people right here in Tyler and East Texas, Lord, in this region. Uh, The TCF, Lord Jesus, would be uh, an instrument in your hand to be used, Lord, um, for goodness and righteousness. Uh, and to uh, touch many lives with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So um, in 1 uh, Peter, uh, Peter uh, addresses um, the, uh, the churches that, that he was writing to at that time. And he says this, he says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul." I just want to kind of concentrate on the first part of that. He calls them sojourners and exile. Now, those guys were under under attack. Um, Where they were living at that time um, was a hostile environment. Now, I know sometimes we kind of feel like we live in a hostile environment, but you only think that if you haven't actually been in a hostile environment because we are all, this is pretty close to heaven on earth right here, East Texas. I mean, I go shopping in like Walmart and they're playing worship music. You know, in Walmart, you know. I just don't even know if that's legal or not, you know, but that's where we are. People would be up in arms, you know, if anybody tried to tell us that we couldn't worship, or anybody tried to tell us that, you know, we were out of place or something like that. It's it's just a blessed place to live and a blessed time to live. But what I want to talk to you about this morning is what Peter is saying to them is also true of us. Even though we don't live in a sort of hostile, openly hostile environment. We live surrounded by darkness. It's the, it's the condition of the world that we live in. And so we're going to talk about that. Here's the other ways that it's translated. In the uh, New American Standard, um, it says uh, you, that we are aliens and strangers. Um, in in uh, the New Living, uh, second edition says um, that we are temporary residents and foreigners Um, The message is a paraphrase, and so he's just kind of getting at the heart of it. And what he says is, this world is not your home. And it's really important that we understand that, but it's also important to to understand that we have a relationship, that God uh, is uh, is expecting us to have a relationship with the world that changes things, that changes people, that reaches people. So I want to talk about that this morning. Um, When we were in Africa um, last year, it was blatantly obvious that we were aliens. Um, I mean, you know, we just stood out. You know, it was. I, I told uh, Lewis this past week um, that I have this one video of him. Like when he goes to uh, Africa, he always wears scrubs um, for various different reasons. They're very comfortable clothes. They're very easy to maintain and take care of. Um, people mistake you for a doctor sometimes. That's an advantage. Um, you know, getting in and out of place, as long as you remember to wear your badge. Scrubs without a badge... Or kind of worthless, but if you got your badge on. But anyway, I got this uh, video of, uh, of the market in uh, Lome. And we were waiting in the van, and uh, Lewis was going to the uh, ATM. And, uh, and so he leaves. And so I'm just taking a, a video of the market. And here's this market. And there is just, it's like super crowded and, um, and a lot of dark skin. Like, not surprising. Like, completely all dark skin. No, you're not seeing anything but, you know, uh, black skinned people. And then you see this person come peeping through the crowd, and he stands out. And it's this white guy in scrubs. And you can just see him come out, and he walks across the street and all of that. It's kind of a surreal thing, you know, just to, just to see that. We stood out. Um, and there was where we were it was a different continent. It was a different country. Um, they had different customs, um, different food, different language, different music, Um, Not to mention just the difference in our skin color, which after you're over there for a while, when you see a white person, you're immediately drawn to that person because you just don't see them um, very much. Um, Everywhere we went, the kids would shout uh, Yovo. That's what the word for. And it's actually foreigner. It's not, I don't think it refers to skin color. Uh, Huh? It means foreigner. Okay. And they have a little song. Can you say, do you know the, the song that they do, the chant? So it's Yovo, Yovo, bonsoir, ça va bien, merci. Yovo, Yovo, Bonsoir, over and over and over and over again. And like we'll be driving down the road and you can hear them start up, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like doing this chant. Um, there were, but there were places that we went that we felt very much at home. There were some places that we, meant, that we went that in some ways we might have even felt more at home there um, than we do here. Um, you know, different language, different music, but the same spirit. In fact, we saw things there that we rarely see here with our brothers and sisters. Um, we, were, we had a little medical clinic that we had uh, set up. And while the medical clinic was gone, going on, me and a couple of other guys just went door to door um, to pray for people. We led, in, in like an hour, we led three people to the Lord. Uh, we prayed for healing for uh, probably half a dozen um, other people. and just just to see how God moved, and just to see how they rejoiced in it, um, just to see the gospel in a different context. And I'm not downplaying what we have here. This is awesome. This is beautiful. This is wonderful. But I'm here to tell you there's an adventure out there that's waiting for every one of us that you should never miss. Don't miss it. Because what you see when you get out there is you see the power of the gospel, and you see believers that are different than you but the same as you. The things that amazed and delighted us was prayer. Like when we would pray with our team, I told them this, it sounded like thunder. Like when those guys started praying, they didn't pray like one person pray and everybody else be quiet. Nobody was quiet. Everybody was praying. And they were praying loud and deep and in their language. I don't even know what their language was. Um, The response to the gospel, and I think one of the reasons why the response to the gospel uh, was the way that it was is because we were preaching to a lot of poor people. Like when we went and prayed for these people in their homes, I mean, your garage is nicer than most of their homes. Um, if you have like a tool shed in the back, it's probably nicer than most of their homes. But that preaching to poor people is a different experience than preaching to people who have pretty much everything that they, they really need, not necessarily everything that they want. want. And we saw some amazing things. It was as a response to the gospel in, in, uh, in praying for and ministering to um, poor people. We saw some transformed lives. We saw some people that are actually part of the team now uh, with site.org Org, um, that were once uh, one of one of the guys. like one of the central guys on the team. Uh, was once on the verge of suicide. He was rejected by his um, by his family and by by the, his community, and came for a, a eye uh, operation uh, and got saved and. It's just an amazing thing to see somebody that's passing darkness to light. And I'm not saying I don't see that here, because I see that so many times, over and over and over again. You You have heard it said, people don't change. And what do you say? Oh, yeah, they do. Yes, they do. In fact, you can say this with confidence, people will change. They'll either get worse or they'll get better, but they will not stay the same. And we have a part to play in that. So we go to Africa, and we stand out, you know, like sore thumbs. Um, You know, there's hardly anything in common that we have with the people. And then we come back to Tyler, you know, and like we totally are in our element. We blend in. We look like most other people. We talk the same language. We listen to, you know, pretty much the same um, music, eat the same food and all of that. But listen to me. This, we are as alien here as with with this culture in, in this time as we were physically alien in Africa. We just don't know it. And the thing is, is that we tend to blend. And that's not bad. It's not bad to blend, okay? We don't necessarily have to stand out just to make a point, but we also should not judge ourselves by the environment that we're in because we're not called into this environment to become like this environment. And that's what I'm talking about um, today. The, the, uh, both the, um, uh, the challenge or the charge um, that we have and also the dangers um, that, we, um, that we face uh, in, in fulfilling God's um, call to us to be salt and light. Here's what Jesus said about our mission. He says, as you sent me uh, into the world, so I have sent them into the world. In the same way Jesus came into the world, he's sending us into the world. Very similar experiences, very, very similar thing that he, is, um, that he is calling us to do. Um, so I want to start by just giving you a, um, a, a sort of a definition of the word cosmos. Now, cosmos... Um, is a different, like a lot of times we'll say there's like three or four different Greek words. When we were talking about love, I told you that there were three you know, Greek words that are translated love that mean very different things. Okay, um, And we just have one word for it, but they had three words for it. This is the exact opposite. There is one word for these three things and they mean something completely different. Okay, So the word is cosmos, but in different contexts, it can mean the created world, that's um, God, let's see, uh, God created the heavens and the earth. God created the world. That's uh, John, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 17, verse 24. I think this is Paul's um, uh, uh, sermon or um, uh, defense um, before one of the, one of the uh, Roman uh, rulers. But in it, he says this. He said, God made the world and everything in it. The word is cosmos, but he's talking about the physical world when he says that. So God made the world and everything in it. It's this physical world um, that we live in. The second is the inhabitants of the world. John 3.16, everybody knows this one, okay? For God so loved the world. Now, he's not talking about the earth. He's not talking about, you know, the rocks and the dirt and the trees and all of that. God so loved the world, he's talking about the inhabitants of the world. He's talking about mankind. He's using the same word there, cosmos, but it's it's to be understood that what he's calling, uh, what he's talking about is, the, the people, the inhabitants of the world. And then the third one is the world system, which is headed by Satan, and it's based upon self and greed and pride. And that is John chapter 17, verses 15 and 16. Jesus said, I don't ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of So he's not talking about the created world. He's not talking about, you know, the mountains and and the streams and all of that. He's talking about, and he's not talking about the inhabitants of the world, but he's talking about the world system. And it's the same word, cosmos, okay? So first, the bad news. The warnings are clear. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Galatians chapter 1 verse 4 says that Christ gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age. And that's the word cosmos. In other words, the world was such a great danger to our souls that this danger caused Christ, the Son of God, to go to the cross to deliver us from it. Throughout the Bible, the lines are clearly drawn between the world of unbelievers and the world of the children of God. That's why Jesus is saying, you are the light of the world. I'm giving you the bad news first, okay? Because I know God has called us, and I know that he wants us to respond to him. But I also know that he wants us to go out with our eyes wide open. He said, be as wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. That means that you need to understand the environment that you're going into and why he's calling us to that. Throughout the Bible, a line is drawn between the world of unbelievers and the world of the children of God. James chapter 4 says, Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And Jesus said in John 15, 18, If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. He, he just wants us to know that there is a clear line that is drawn and that line can be hostile at times. As I said, we live in an environment that is very conducive to our faith compared to other places in the world. But make no mistake about it, there is a clear line drawn between our world and the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of this world and the kingdoms of men. Now the good news. There's some awesome adventures that await us. In John chapter 17, now I, th- I think what I'm going to do, i got plenty of time. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read this long passage uh, from John chapter 17 and then go back and, and talk about it because um, Jesus goes into detail and he talks about this world, cosmos, um, that we're talking about. Um, and he, and he kind of he's praying to the Father, and I know that his prayer is effective, right? When Jesus prays, do you think God, the Father answers his prayer? When you pray, do you think that the Lord answers your prayer? The answer to both of those is yes. Okay. You guys. I know we all got problems. I know we don't understand how the whole thing works, but he promises us if you ask, you will receive, okay? You don't always get what you're asking for. Most of the time you get more. You get better. Like, you ask for this, and he's like, nah, I'm not going to give you that, but you're going to be really happy with this because this is what you really need, even if you don't have sense enough to ask for it. So Jesus is praying. He's asking, and you know that he's asking something that is right in line with the Father and that the Father is going to grant it. We're going to get a lot of comfort out of that from these passages of Scripture. But listen, when you pray, it's the same thing. God. of John chapter 17? Um, this is the Last Supper, and this is the, was called the uh, High Priestly Prayer. So this is Jesus with his disciples, um, just moments before he was betrayed, moments before he was arrested. This is his last few moments of uh, a somewhat normal existence with his friends, and he loves these guys. And he has spent three years with these guys you know, camping out, hiking, you know, preaching, healing, all of this stuff that they have done together. They are tight, man. They are, they are close. They are, they are intimate. And he's been pouring into them, and he's about to get separated from them. And he knows that they're going to have some real bad se- separation anxiety. And so he prays for them, and he t- speaks things to them to comfort them because it's really important that they don't cave in and that they don't despair. It's going to be the worst thing that could possibly happen to them for him to be taken away, but it's the best thing that could possibly happen to them. And so he's trying to prepare them for it. That's what John chapter 17 is about. And it's a long, long prayer. I'm just going to pick some parts of it. John chapter 17, starting in verse 6, it says, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now, they know that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word. The world has hated them. uh, and They are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in truth. So do you hear mission in that? Do you hear God's purpose for your life in that? Do you hear also some warnings in there um, that, you know, it sounds like maybe it's a little dangerous? Um, Let's go back and look at it. So verse 6, he says, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. We came out of the world system. We came out of the world system. We were so steeped in the world system that we didn't even know we were in a world system. We thought that was normal life. We thought selfishness and deceit and the pursuit of all kinds of pleasure, um, we thought that was life. We thought that was what it was all about. And he brought us out of that system. He took us out of the world system. This coming out is a very important step. So when you bow your head and you are intimate with God, and sometimes it's such a simple prayer, it's just like, oh God, help. But there's something that happens in you, something is conceived very much like human conception, like the conceiving of a child. Something is conceived, a new being. That's where the new being comes from, is when you call upon his name and you say, come into my heart, be the Lord of my life. When you repent of your sins, not, you don't just get forgiven. You become a new creation. He doesn't just say, okay, we're not going to talk about that stuff anymore. He says, I'm making you into a completely new creation. The thing is, that happens immediately, okay? But the process of coming out, he said, I took them out of the world. The process of coming out of the world takes some time. It takes your whole life, right? So you ask, why does it take so much time? I'll tell you that in a minute. You'll be glad that he did it this way, okay? So the coming out of the world is the process that we call discipleship, is the process that we call um, salvation, where Paul says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling because it is a fearful thing, and it is so vitally important that we are transformed, not just saved and born again, but born again to a new life, that he has made us a new creation and old things have passed away. So he says, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and they came. And you gave them to me, and uh, they have kept your word. Verses 11 and 12 that I just read. He says, I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that, we, that they may be one even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name which you have given me, I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, uh, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Jesus isn't taking the threat lightly. He knows that they're going into a hostile environment. He knows that there are temptations on every hand. Temptations to not do things that they need to do and that they must do. Temptations to do things which they should not do, and, and, and it's, it's death to them to do. He knows that they're going into a hostile environment, and he's taking that threat seriously. He's very aware of the danger, but he's also very confident in the Father and, and the Son and the Spirit's ability to keep us. If God is on our side, who can be against us? If the Father calls us children, Who can be against us? If Jesus Christ promises and and fulfills his promise, I will never leave you or forsake you, who can stand against us? What are we afraid of? If the spirit dwells within us, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, lives within us, what do we have to fear? Right? He's not taking the threat lightly. But he also knows he's got great confidence in the Father that God is up for this. And God will sustain us in this, and God will keep us in this. We will not be destroyed. We will not be cast. We might fall, we might stumble, but we're getting up again. We might fail, but we're not done. Amen? Verse 13, he says, But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. And that's the good news, guys. That's the good news. I'm not overstating this, okay? So Jesus knows what the threat is. He knows what the difficulties are. He knows that there's a a God of this world that has influenced so many things that we do in so many different ways that is is powerful uh, and persistent and cruel and heartless. And Jesus says, we got this, we got this. He wishes he could stop you. He cannot. He wishes he could destroy you. He can't. He knows what we're going into, and it's serious business. Peter said, be sober. Be sober. Be, be alert and aware, because you have an adversary, and he goes around like a roaring lion. But he is, you are not his prey. He has no place in you. He has no way that he can get to you when you are in Christ Jesus. He said, these things I speak in the world that they may have what? Not just joy. Jesus' joy. Jesus' joy. Jesus' joy is not based on some temporary, you know, Pleasure. Jesus' joy is based on the fact, what it, it, the Bible says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. I'll tell you what, that's some serious joy. And I mean serious. That's some serious joy that he would go through what he went through in order to attain this joy that he did not have outside of that. And I'm talking about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And he's talking about that you will have that same joy. Not a joy that passes away. Not something temporary. Listen, everything you have is going to pass away, even you. Everything you own, your car, your house, listen, your kids, everything that you have is going to pass away. This joy is going to, is going to remain. Because he has given us eternal life, not temporary life, not just earthly life. And He has given us the confidence that He is going to give us that same joy. We're going to experience that same joy. He's inviting us into joy. He's not, he's not interested in your, just interested in your safety or protection. He is interested in that. But if, you, if all He wanted is for you to be protected and safe, I don't even know how that would work, but it would have to be some kind of serious castle that you know, was like airtight, you know, watertight, never be exposed to anything. That's the only way that you could be completely safe, right? You don't want to live like that. Every time I get on my bicycle, I am a firmly aware, completely aware of the fact that I could get ran over, run over, grammar. I'm totally aware of that fact, but I am not going to keep that from the joy of riding a bicycle. And the health benefits and everything else. I mean, I could sit on my couch and eat potato chips and be safe. Who wants that? I do sometimes, right? But if you want to be safe, you're never going to accomplish anything. If you want to be safe, why would we live our whole lives in fear, cowering behind walls? Why would we withdraw from the world when God has sent us into the world and fully equipped us to to do great things and experience wonderful things? He doesn't want us sequestered. He doesn't want us in isolation. The devil does. The devil doesn't want you spreading your disease. He wants you safely in here. This is a fairly good place, even though he's sharing the gospel. God's sharing the gospel with all of us, too, in here. But the devil's completely content for us to stay behind, keep it in in the house and not take it to the streets. Who wants that? Who wants that? That's where all the fun is, man. That's where all the adventure is. He's inviting us into joy. The joy that was before him that he endured the cross. You guys experience the joy of salvation? I know that's kind of like a religious kind of term, but have you experienced the joy of salvation Jesus said unless somebody comes to me unless he hates his own life also father mother sister brother you know everybody everything else and he says his own life also have you ever have you come to that place where you looked at your life before Christ and you're like thank God I'm not that anymore thank God <laughs> I hope you have the joy of salvation the joy of not trying to do it, but having it done in you, almost in spite of yourself, new, new direction, new purposes, not just survival, not just white-knuckling it, but living a full and, and, um, and, uh, and, and meaningful and everlasting life. That's the joy that he's inviting us into. That's what he means when he says, these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in them. The joy of salvation, the joy of the kingdom of God. I just, I loved being in Africa, but you know what I loved about it the most is that they're just like you guys. I felt at home there. It was almost like there was a whole nother room in my house that I'd never explored before and I go in and there's this awesome stuff in there and these awesome people. There's like this family that's moved into the house, you know, that I'm related to. And in some ways, they talk different languages. And they look different and all of this. They certainly worship differently, and I aspire to that. I'm not like, you know, that's ugly. I don't want to do it. It's like, I wish I could do that. I've got no rhythm, but if I could, you know, I would. I would do that. I mean, there's kids that just pick up a stick on the street with a can, and they can, you know, make some music that I could never, never make. The joy of the kingdom of God. The joy of loving People, where I don't, I don't have to expect anything out of anybody. I'm not trying to strangle somebody to squeeze something out of them that I, that I need. I've got what I need. The joy of loving people without condition, without fear, without reservation, just loving people. That's the joy that he's inviting us into. The joy of being with him. He says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. He said, I took them out of the world, and now they're not of the world anymore. So I don't care how long you've walked with the Lord. You may have just recently given your heart to the Lord. You are not of this world anymore. Your origin, your source, your strength, your values, your hopes, your dreams, your life is not of this world. Suddenly you have become connected to heaven. And that's where it's coming from now. It's not coming from the world. And he's pouring it out upon us. They are not of this world just as I am not of this world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And we're going to look at sanctification just, in just a second. It says, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Jesus came into the world, but he was going back. So his, his ark looked like this went from heaven to earth and back to heaven, okay? Yours looks like this, from earth to some semblance of being close to heaven and back to the earth, okay? But that's not the whole story, is it? Yours looks like this. It's like you're coming from the earth and you get here and he's swinging down and he catches you like trapeze and he's bringing you where he's going. You're not of the earth anymore. You're in the grip of the son of God and you are of heaven now. You are, not, you are not just a regular person. Oh, I wish I could get that to you. If I was a better communicator, I could. But I'm trying to get to your heart is what I'm trying to get to. I'm not trying to just appeal to your intellect or reason. Even though this is reasonable, maybe it doesn't sound like it, but I'm trying to appeal to your heart because this is what God has made you for. He's made you for this. He says, as you have sent me into the world, I send them. And the other ones we're talking about, like I'm saying, you know, when he says world here, he doesn't mean like, um, you know, rocks and trees and stuff. And when he says world here, um, he, he means, you know, like the inhabitants of the world. And when he says world here, he means the, the, like the world system. In this instance, he's talking about all three. He's talking about the physical world. He's talking about the inhabitants of the earth. He's sending us into the whole thing, the whole thing, okay? Into the beautiful handiwork of God, the the work of God, which is the creation of the world, that when God got done with it, he said, it's really good. It's really good. Have you been to the beach? Have you looked out over the incredible expanse of water that is the ocean and just marveled at that? Have you seen the beautiful birds that He's made? So many different variations of that. Yeah, it's good. It's good. He's sending us into that. He's sending us into the inhabitants of the world. And He weeps over them. And His heart breaks for them. And He says, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. I want to reach them. I want to know them. I want them to know me. I want to love them. I want to transform their lives. He's sending us into the inhabitants of the world. And he's also sending us in to do battle with the world system. And listen, I want you to know something. This is to simplify things for you. You only have one enemy. You only have one enemy. And it's not a person. I don't care how bad somebody has done you. It's not a person. It's not a place. It's not a thing. You have one enemy. He uses a lot of different things. But don't you ever make the mistake of thinking that that is your enemy. You have one enemy. And be of good cheer, because our God in Jesus Christ has conquered, has conquered. You can look him full in the face and not be afraid of him, because he is already defeated. I'm not saying he's not going to try. And I'm not saying he won't try to make your life miserable, but he has no power and no authority. Don't fear him. Don't fear him. Revere him, maybe. Respect him as an adversary, But don't be afraid of him. Listen, if he could do what he wanted to do to you, you would not be here now. He can't do it. He can't. So here's the plan. We go into the world. We don't isolate ourselves. We don't barricade ourselves to keep keep us away from the world. We aren't to be afraid of the malice that the devil has against us. It is his malice, and we have only that one enemy. He has evil intent, no doubt about it. But in Christ, we are safe. We are hid in Christ. We are to be very careful to guard our hearts and to sanctify ourselves. And this is the big danger, to become careless in our lifestyle. That's the big danger. The Word says... Oh, that's the end of my slides. Good. I guess I'm done. Just about. The Word says, Do not be conformed to this word, world, but be what? transformed. Because the pressure of the world is to conform and everybody feels it. Everybody feels it. It's not just you. The pressure of this world is to conform, is to be like them, is to fear them, is to be intimidated by them, is to buy the baloney that they're trying to feed you about who you are and what you are. We sang about it this morning. Don't be conformed to this world. That is a very real danger because Jesus is not letting us sit in a safe, secure, nice and warm house. He is sending us out into the midst of them. And here's the way he described it. I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. So he knows. He knows what he's doing. But we are not just regular sheep. We are sheep that belong to the most ferocious shepherd you have ever seen in your life. And he will do anything for You you think a mama bear is scary? You hadn't seen a shepherd like him when one of, her, one of his little ones is threatened or when they, they go astray or they feel like they're far from him. Listen to me. I don't care. He's got an intention to save you. And if there's anything, he's great at creation, no doubt about that. If there's anything he's good at, it's saving things. It's redeeming things. He's a master at that. There's nobody like him in that. He's so good at it. We're going to close today, and we have a a special guest with us. I'm going to let uh, J.B. introduce her. And this is kind of along the lines of um, us finding some real practical ways um, to get involved in our city and to reach out and to stretch ourselves a little bit and to see some things that we haven't seen before. So I'm going to let J.B. introduce her.
1: Okay, um, Pam, you can go ahead and come up here. Everybody, this is my friend Pam Jacobson. If you all could give her a hand and welcome me. Over the last couple of weeks, I have mentioned during announcements that coming up in the adult spiritual formation class, we are going to be doing um, spending several weeks talking about understanding poverty. So um, Pam Jacobson works with an organization called the East Texas Human Needs Network, and um, she is going to be the one that's helping to facilitate these um, classes that we're going to do in October and November. So I'm really excited about it. It's going to start next Sunday. So 930 in the Education Building. We would love for you to join us. If you have any questions, you can ask me. But I wanted to go ahead and introduce her to you now before uh, before next Sunday. So welcome Pam <laughs> okay so we haven't worked out a script or anything so I I wondered if you could just tell them a little bit about what they can expect first if you want to say anything about Ethan or East Texas Human Needs Network and or just what they can expect when they are coming to the class next week to talk about bridges out of poverty
2: thank you so much for having me when when JB and I talked about this uh, he was in a class and he said I wish I could bring this to my church and I said yes let's do it let's do it because my I have a heart for local missions I, I know you just went to Africa and I think that's wonderful but sometimes we can go two miles for from, from our own home and have our eyes opened to what our neighbors are are, are living in in our community here in Smith County we have about 220,000 people I think 35,000 more than 35,000 live in poverty and that means that there are probably about 25 percent of that 35,000 are kids so it's it's real in our community and I think it's real easy for us to look look the other way we don't realize that it really exists uh, right here in our um, in our town so, bridges out of poverty is really just an opportunity for us to have our eyes open and to look around our community and see what might we do to be involved in a different way, to understand people that have um, that are living in poverty. Maybe they, it's generational poverty, and and as far back as they can remember, their families have lived with just the very basics and maybe not even the basics Uh, one of the definitions of poverty is um, the resources that we have that we what's the first thing you think of in poverty the resource you think of is money but it's not just money it's um, having a faith I have met some incredible people that financially didn't have a lot of money, but they did have a hope and a a purpose for their life. So it's not just the financial end of things, it's understanding having that spiritual component, having a support system. Um, What we're gonna do in the seven weeks is just get an overview, number one, in that first week of what is happening in our community and how we can be involved in a, a different way. And then we're going to talk about looking at those who live in poverty with a different lens. Uh, we're going to talk about language and hidden rules. And we just have a, a just a real good way, a strategy for you to say, here's something we could do in our community to make a difference. So, JB, that's the Reader's Digest version. What else? <laughs> that, that
1: was perfect. Thank you, Pam. Okay. Thanks thanks for being here. Thanks, so. you, Pam.
0: Do <clears throat> <laughs> you want to play some music? All right. We're going to close. Um I went to a uh, pastor's meeting two weeks ago. The Walls to Bridges, I think I've told you about it before. It's just a group of pastors that originally we met together just to kind of uh, become familiar with other congregations, other races, uh, the change, uh, challenges that they face. Um, and two weeks, uh, three weeks ago, we met at TISD's um, administrative offices, and one of the administrators of TISD spoke to us And uh, just one question that one of the pastors asked when we met there uh, was how many uh, of the students in TISD, and I think there's 30,000 students in TISD. I'm sorry, it's 18,000. Sorry. Um, 18,000 students, and they said, what percentage of those students uh, are at or below the poverty line? And the guy said 75%. 75%. That's that was not even close to what I was thinking if you know 75 percent there's some schools that do uh, free lunches um, for for children uh, the children that qualify for it and there are some schools that a hundred percent of the kids qualify for that they have free breakfast for everybody um, but they're also doing a program where they're actually sending home food on the weekends because the kids are not getting it and all all we're saying is that there is a need And we don't want to live isolated lives. We want to know what our community is, what our community does, and how we can be involved to bring hope uh, and change and transformation to people's lives. And like I said, I think that the common denominator in uh, in the people that we preach to in in Africa, um, and also here I think it's the same way, um, is the fact that they were people who were poor people. Um, And if they were sick or if they were hurt or or anything like that, they didn't have any plan B. Those are the ones that Jesus has sent us to. It's people who are in need. It's the people that have everything. They think they have everything, even though they may not, um, that are really hard to talk to sometimes. But the people who have needs, if you have compassion upon them and you give them what you have and you give them what the Lord has given you to give, you can see transformation. Don't miss the opportunity to do that. Let's stand together. And I'm just going to give you a chance. I, I'm glad to pray for you this morning, but I just want you to just kind of bring your heart to the Lord this morning and ask uh, that uh, your heart would grow five. How, how, what did the Grinch happen? Five sizes in one? it's three sizes. Three sizes? I think so. Yeah, let's go for five. <laughs> so let the, let the Lord expand our hearts uh, and soften our hearts and give us eyes of compassion to see um, people that are around us, both right here in this place, but especially out there. Uh, where hope is so rare and where love is so uh, fleeting. Thank you for it. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just thank you for this safe place that you have given us to worship you in, Lord. We're surrounded by angels. We're surrounded by your presence, Lord. Um, You protect and you lead and guide. But I also thank you, Lord, for the adventure that awaits us, Lord, outside of the, the walls, Lord, of this place. Because this is not our sanctuary. You are our sanctuary. Wherever we go, we know that you are a safe place. You are our protection. You are our high tower, and you go with us, Lord. Send us, Lord Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that this week that we would have a victory, that we would see, Lord, the salvation of God, that we would see, Lord, uh, the the power of your word, uh, that we would have an opportunity to share this joyful hope. Oh, God, how we love to share it, how we love, Lord Jesus, to speak your name, how we love to talk about all of the marvelous things that you have done and that you're doing. Give us an opportunity to tell somebody that, and especially, Lord, I pray for someone who's maybe never heard it before or never heard it, Lord Jesus, in a personal way. Send us forth from this place, Lord Jesus. And and God, bring us back with our mouths and hearts full of testimonies of the goodness and faithfulness of God, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, and you're dismissed.